there's a a right way to talk about sex for many people that many people haven't actually experienced yet. Hey everybody, I'm Tony. And I'm Kiara. And you're listening to Good Pain. The Good Pain Podcast. Uh, you know what, I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. Do you like vibrators? Oh boy, do I. That's, that's word on the street. Mm, good vibrations. That's right, I like them too, but uh, sometimes they rub me the wrong way. Folks, but I'm Ting. Oh boy. Uh, we are about to talk to, this is our, we got another PhD. We do. We have the fabulous Dr. Carol Queen. Yeah, we are, uh, we are fully threatening legitimacy at this point. Yeah. I mean, especially because she's a writer, a speaker, an educator, an activist with a doctorate in sexology. Did you know that sexology was a thing? I didn't. Had I known, I would have gotten several PhDs in it. Mm. She has also founded one of the first gay youth groups in the U.S. called Gay Youth. And she is the staff sexologist at Good Vibrations, as well as the curator, get this, the curator of their antique vibrator museum. Absolutely fascinating. Can't wait to get into that. Literally. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, we learned a new word for orgasm. Let's see if we can say it. Hysterical paroxysm of release. A.K.A. the orgasm. The orgasm. That sounds like some sort of like translation of an Italian horror film at this point. <laughs> and if you learn nothing else today, <laughs> at least you know that. Yes. Uh, without further ado, the absolutely fantastic Dr. Carol Quinn. Hello, folks. Uh, we are here with Dr. Carol Quinn, PhD. Hello. Hello, I'm so pleased to be with you. I can't wait for our chat. Ooh, so excited. Oh, likewise. Yeah, we have so many questions. So we'll yes. try to stay coherent. Um, no, absolutely. Yeah, because your 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 area of expertise is uh, is is so interesting, and and, and, I, and I I I can't wait to sort of dive in. Shall we start with sexologist? Yeah, I I, I was commenting earlier. I obviously that is such a it's a. a the study of sex, of course. I don't think I've ever heard the term sexology before, and certainly not not someone who is an academic uh, professional in sexology. Mm -hmm. I, I'm not familiar with the word. Well, that just goes to show that we need to get a PR team on mm -hmm. this, because mm -hmm. in 1985, when my girlfriend and I were in the... University of Oregon Library, looking at college catalogs, graduate school catalogs. Really, she was the one who was planning to go to grad school. I thought I was just going to stay at the U of O and go to grad school there. I did a year of that in sociology. And then, but she pushed this little thin brown catalog across the table to me and said, I think this is for you. And <laughs> boom! It's, it was. It was from the Institute for Advanced Study of Human Sexuality. Wow. That seemed good to me. I thought I at least knew the basics, but who knew what I didn't know? Oh, yeah. And it was a training field for private, private uh, higher education institution training sexologists. And I hadn't heard the term either, mm -hmm. even though I thought I had been around the block a couple of times. Right. So a sexologist is, as you say, a... a, a uh, an academic who focuses on sex, mm -hmm. or I like to broaden it out a little bit and call it academic or professional focus on sex, because there are plenty of um, doctors, biologists, researchers, lawyers, 
good heavens, I think I had a tax prep guy once <laughs> who you could call a sexologist in a very particular uh, slice of the great... Well, he he basically only saw people who were in the sex industry for oh the, for the for the the most part of his work. That makes sense. And mm-hmm. and the very first time I saw him, he was like, "What do you want me to write down on your your form here?" And I was like, "Well, sex worker. That's how I was making all my money that year. There was mm-hmm. no money in sexology at that particular moment." So <laughs> okay. he's like, oh, "Okay, uh, let me ask you this: If you work for the IRS." And uh, it was your turn to do the audit, and the computer spit out three <gasps> people, a plumber, a nursery school teacher, and a sexologist. Who would you audit? Who do you want to like, audit? Well, that's it. The answer to that is easy. I would want to meet the sexologist. He was like, right. what do you want me to put on your tax forms? I was like, ooh, consultant. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> Probably a good move. Um, I mean, there were no federal laws, but on the other hand, it's true. I did not want to get audited, you know, every 15 minutes for the rest of my life. So, and now, of course, I can put educator, sex educator, you know, staff sexologist, because, because good vibrations is my primary, primary work. And it, it, it covers a vast area. And your sort of focus I don't know if that's the right word. The scope of your your professional expertise is in sex toys. Well, or is that um, just one aspect? That's that's one aspect, okay. but certainly mm-hmm. I've been with Good Vibrations for almost thirty two years now, wow. and that has given me plenty of time to focus on sex toys. No, mm-hmm. no doubt about it. I've I've seen a substantial part of the 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 change in the industry from the sort of the beginnings of the sex toy business, uh, at least the the regular retail business, the person in the trench coat who opened their coat in Times Square. I don't know. Right. I, I don't. Did that happen? Does that happen? Well, it, it used to be a trope. Now, whether that yeah. really happened or not, I don't necessarily think. But I yeah. do think that that there have been for a long time back, centuries, I think, uh, people who specialized in making these things available to people who knew how to get in touch with them and find them. And and in some cases back in the day, who crafted the things themselves probably. Yeah. Carved I know we got dildos out there, leather ones. There were yeah. and and never mind the, you know, the the, the antique vibrators. That's a whole other kettle of Well, we do we do have to talk about antique vibrators. Oh yeah. I know. It is Tony and I did a deep dive on the the website of the museum and we have oh. some questions. Yeah. It's pretty fun. Yeah. It's pretty fun. So yes, it, whenever you're ready yeah. for that. But but I think that um that saying that I specialize in sex toys is by no means uh, incorrect. Uh, mm. It's just that I specialize in a lot of other things too, yes. because I can't focus. This is my ex girlfriend said to me, same one who pushed the cat catalog across the table at me. You know, I could see if sex was your business. I could see if it was your hobby, but with you, it's everything. And of course, what I said was, it's not one thing. Mm. It's not just one thing. It's a lot of different things. So of course I have to try to get the scope, get, get a sense of the scope. You know, my, my sociology training initially, um, really pointed me in the direction of the kind of sexologist I would be. I call myself a cultural sexologist that, that, so I try to wrap my arms around the, the history, the sociology, psychology, anthropology, all the, all the, the social issues and movements that are associated with it, as mm-hmm. well as the, 
Well, hello, person who has a sex question. Here I am for you. I will try to answer it. All of all of the above. So what do we want to do, Tony? Do we want to go cultural, historical? Do we want to ask some sex questions? Do we want to dive deep into the toy world? Well, I mean, all of the above. Um, but I will say the the is it the history of good vibrations? Yes. Do we we wanted to ask about that because it, it began it going yeah no 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 just carol i'd love i just think it's so important right like i'll just say babeland in seattle was probably the first vibrator store i visited i'll just come out and say hello dad it's <laughs> it's the it's the first place i bought a vibrator on capitol hill and uh i always knew it to be at least generally this incredibly welcoming especially for for women in lgbtq uh, space that I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, you know, sold toys, but also had can, uh, education classes was a community center. And I, I didn't ever take a class there, but I was aware of that. And it was a great vibrator that I bought by the way. But, um, but I would love to hear a little bit about the history of Babeland and good vibrations and just why and who founded it? Because I think that's important. I would love to 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 share that. I I, I think it's important too, and I'm I'm so glad you asked. So so in the beginning, there was one woman-founded store in the whole world. It was in Germany. Uh, the woman in question, Beata Uza, got her start in the 1950s, and in the 19 the early 1960s was when she opened her store in Berlin. And and a bunch of men. <laughs> One woman and a whole bunch of men. Yes. <laughs> as as I would imagine, anybody who thinks back into that that time frame could right. will, will probably not surprise them much to hear me say that. Uh, then there was another woman in New York City, Del Williams, who founded Eve's Garden after she had heard the late great uh, Betty Dodson talk about vibrators and orgasm at the early 1970s, now Women's Sexuality Conference. The National Organization for Women mainly had conferences, not sexuality conferences, but mm. they made an exception this one time. And uh, by all uh, accounts, it was an extraordinary experience. And it got Del Williams to be inspired that in a trip to Macy's where she was kind of maybe sexually harassed while she tried to buy a vibrator in the personal care aisle. What are you yeah. going to do with that? Well, yeah. Oh, yeah. she's like, I, I don't, I don't think other women want to have this question asked of them when they go into a, like a normal store. I'm putting yeah, and be leered at basically. Bunny quotes around the word normal because mm -hmm. it's not as helpful as you people think it is. <laughs> <laughs> and so, not long thereafter, four years probably, Joni Blank, uh, the founder of Good Vibrations, was working with uh, feminist sex therapist Lonnie Barbach uh, in the the aegis of the University of California, San Francisco Medical School, uh, teaching a pre-orgasmic women's group. The language was important because pre-orgasmic implies that you just haven't had one yet. Not uh -huh. that you're frigid, not that there's something wrong with you. But that you're on a journey and the journey is, you know, you're, you're pointing over there, but, uh, you haven't arrived, but you're on the journey. So the, and, the, the whole pre-orgasmic group was to discover how to have an orgasm? Yeah, basically the, okay. the pre-orgasmic women's group was to, to, uh, identify why so many women at that time and PS now too, I might add, um, got 
so little useful, actionable sex education that they couldn't figure their bodies out uh, adequately enough. Yeah. Nor could their partners, but that wasn't their fault because they had gotten bad sex education too. Yeah, nor did none. anyone want to talk about it. So or terrible, <laughs> awful, abysmal sex education also still happens. Mm-hmm. And uh, we wish that, you know, the, the, the when we go into the future, it would be nice if things changed a little bit. But that thing didn't change enough, I must <laughs> yeah. say. And what... What they wound up doing was eventually saying, okay, it was several week group and it's sort of a cross between a consciousness raising and a therapy group. And they would get to the week where they said, all right, now go and get a vibrator and try that because a vibrator offers consistent stimulation, unless the yes. batteries run out or the, you know, the, the power goes out, whatever. <laughs> and you might find that that level of consistency uh, makes a big difference in, in seeking an orgasm. So go get a vibrator and the women would say, Oh, I could never go into one of those places. Wait, and can and, I pause for a second? Because one of those places, correct, but you said, but you could buy vibrators at Macy's. You could buy vibrators at Macy's. You could, but they didn't know that. That wasn't a, that wasn't something that was, was, you bought a massager. God, they, at thank you. Okay. And when we talk about the antique vibrators, the, you know, sort of the through line will be, will be pretty clear, but people thought of vibrators as sex toys, even then, you know, late seventies, there'd been a lot of sex talk by that time. Yeah. But, uh, but what they imagined or knew from experience, the, the, the experience of going to buy a vibrator was typically was in a male owned, operated sort of created store. Very likely all the people in the store thought it was great if a woman came in to shop, but they didn't necessarily yeah. know how to answer her questions don't have nor to talk to her. Nor would you feel comfortable. <laughs> nor would many of them feel comfortable. Now, yeah. I had been to one of those places. I've been to several of those places. I got around, <laughs> as I was telling you. I mean, I already did think of myself as somebody who needed to explore all of this mm. even before I, I heard the word sexologist myself. So, uh, but, but that doesn't mean that everybody would be comfortable. Right. And, you know, there are probably people who aren't comfortable walking into Babeland or Good Vibrations now, even though every effort has been made to make space, a space of comfort, inf- good information, information communicated uh, with with a friendly, uh, non-judgmental attitude that that isn't off-putting or frightening, not too intimate, but not too you know, scientific or, or off either, you know, there's, there's a, there's a, there's a, a right way to talk about sex for many people that many people haven't actually experienced yet. Mm. So we tried to figure out what that was. Joni did. I wasn't there yet, but I did my best to help when I showed up uh, to, to, to figure out what the, what the special vibe was to approach people and ask them how, we could help them find what they wanted or didn't know what they wanted, but they knew they might want something. Yeah. And, and so this, this, oh, I could never go into one of those places experience was the spark for good vibrations. Joni basically had the light bulb go off over her head. And in, in uh, the seventies, if a feminist had a, like a, like got something, the word was click. So she had a click mm-hmm. moment. I don't she think we say that anymore, but she had a click moment and she realized, oh, that's what I need to do to make a difference mm. for the women who aren't 
orgasmic yet who don't know all the information they need. I need to make the information available. I need to make the the toys available as good quality as I can get. There weren't that many toys out there yet in the in 1977, but there sure. were there were a number. Uh, the magic wand vibrator, which you could get at Macy's because it was a massager, <laughs> definitely front and center because that was even then uh, being talked up among the feminist vibrator cognoscenti. And now, of course, it's iconic and was the first sex toy to have its own Twitter feed, to my knowledge. Oh, And people, what people did was they basically just tagged the magic wand and then they wrote however many characters describing their orgasm. Oh my God. Okay. Well, (laughs) it was a hoot. I don't know if people are doing that anymore, but it was pretty cute. We'll have to look into it. I'm sure it has more followers than me. I can guarantee you that. I have zero followers. So, but you know, the word of mouth was fierce on the magic wand. And all that in a context, as I said, where someone would walk up to you and it would be as comfortable as possible to have the exchange that needed to yeah. begin the, the journey in a store, which you experienced at Babeland, right? I did. And- I did. And I felt so, I mean, you know, it was not the 70s and, and I, I am grateful that I didn't feel a ton of stigma, but I was nerve. I, I think I recall being a little nervous and it was also exciting and I felt empowered, you know? So what else can you ask for? <laughs> Hooray. That's exactly yeah. that's exactly how we would hope that, that you would feel. And uh, so in 1977 is when Good Vibrations started in San Francisco. San Francisco as a store. In, as a store. Yeah, as a store. San Francisco in many, many ways was the place where this had to happen. You know, yeah. a, mm-hmm. a substantial um, sexuality community, more out and more diverse than in many places. Um, not that everybody everywhere didn't have some sort of sexuality community, but was it out? Could you find it? That was another matter. You know, yeah. that was in San Francisco. Yes, you could. There were ads in the magazines. You could, you could, you could find who you wanted to find if you began looking. And, 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 and so that, of course, then also was a customer base. It was a base of people who could be hired from and to, would, would be, part of the way or all the way there in this comfortable discourse business. And then in the early 90s, Rachel and Claire, who founded Babeland, contacted Joni and said, we want to start a store too. We're in Seattle. And Joni didn't believe in competition. She thought there should be, there should be one in every port, really. She (laughs) wanted to make sure, and she wasn't going to, you know, go out of her way to run all of them. She wanted to, to empower other people who wanted to start stores like this. And, and for a period of time in the nineties, she consulted a lot. She, and she had, she had Rachel and Claire come and intern with us and spend, I think I spent a month, uh, working with Claire on the floor at Good Vibrations while well, Rachel nice. talked to Joni about, I don't know, bookkeeping or something <laughs> thing and, and uh, something that was out of my wheelhouse. And we had then this sister company that yeah. um, initially was just in Seattle. Then they opened a couple of stores in a couple of New York. stores, I believe, in New York City. My two favorite cities, Seattle. And, and then Rachel and Claire thought to themselves, Oh, it might be a good time to retire. Who might want to buy our business? And they turned back around to Good Vibrations and said, "Hey, you want? Oh, I didn't. Okay, you want to? Really cool. You want to connect back up?" And um, so that was. I, I can't tell you how excited I was when I heard that that discussion was happening because I had worked, you know, yeah. with Claire on the floor at, at 
Exercise, getting ready to, getting ready to found Babeland. I had gone and read my my work at Babeland at one of those events that you mentioned, and 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 you're right. Both both companies and and many others too that are out there now. Other small companies that are are you know not necessarily from the mothership, but but much like Good Vibrations in Babeland in many respects, inspired by those, are also sex education hubs are also sex and culture hubs yeah uh, book book gigs and panel Com- discussions I mean, community and gathering spaces in some ways yes. yeah. yeah and and not of this sort of, there, there was a fine line to walk between let's have everybody over and hang out and be sex positive together and some of the people in this room don't want this to be like a social occasion like a party like a yeah like a hanging out at a bar. They're, they're, they don't want to be cruised. They don't want to be approached. They, but they do want the sense that we're together in this place where we can feel safe, comfortable, and sex positive, where we can feel proud of our sexuality, not have to feel shame or, mm-hmm. or try to hide it. Uh, you know, even today, and sadly, we know this a little bit more clearly now than we did a few years ago, there are still so many people who can't get support for who they are. And that, as far as Joni was concerned, and I can't argue with this, that level of support was just as important to a customer as walking up to the shelf and finding the perfect vibrator for them or the the bookshelf and finding the perfect book. Feeling accepted when they walked in the door was part of the work. And it yeah. still is. It really still is. We have we have to remember that when somebody walks in, we don't know their history. We don't know their identity. Even if we think maybe we can guess what it is, we don't know. We don't know what's in their pants. And most of that stuff isn't necessarily going to be our business unless the customer makes it our business by yeah. saying, so I'm a this, that, the other. I have this in my pants. I want that to attach or touch. <laughs> I want that to excite me this way. In a, a world today where people both have a lot of drama around this set of issues that comes in at them from the outside world, but also where the, the non-binary community mm-hmm. has very much stepped up and, and made this a non-binary discussion. Yeah. Because it was a pretty binary discussion for a mm-hmm. few decades there. Yeah. Even if it was open, even if it was shame-free, not everybody felt seen. Not everybody felt that they weren't being sort of ratcheted one way or another into a um, a, a group in the corner that they didn't necessarily always identify with or identify with at all. So, so that's been so important and also <laughs> really means we need to not start by throwing assumption at another yeah. person about what their sexuality or their, or their sexual parts, or if they think of them as sexual parts might be. Yeah. That's part of the, that's, that's part, part of the, the whatever you, us. whatever you've got, whatever you call them. Mm-hmm. Yep. Exactly. All right. Gloves are off. Let's let's go to the toys. Let's ask <laughs> hard hitting, groundbreaking questions. Let's do it. Yeah. About toys. Are you going to start? Would you like to go back in history first? Yeah, I I I would because I'm I'm. Uh, uh, by the way, the the um, the antique vibrator museum. Uh, Antiquevibratormuseum.com for anybody who, as they're listening, wants to yeah. peruse with us. Um, it is fascinating. Oh, yeah. um, but I'm looking at the turn of the century. Well, I guess we'll start at the turn of the century. <laughs> um, and it's uh, you may have answered a, one of my questions previously when you said that a, lo- a lot of these were considered massagers. Is that is that what? Because the heads of them look like 
Yes. Massagers. Yes. So, so um, when we launched, relaunched the Antique Vibrator Museum in, in the early 2010s, I heard from Vice London, and they were asking questions about a vaginal penetration. And I was like, no, 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 no. You're thinking of the other kind of sex toy. 100%. The other kind of vibrator. And of course, not all of those vibrators are for penetration well, can you, either. Can you clarify for us? Because I think I was thinking that too. Well, well and good. Okay. <laughs> yes. I will, I will clarify. So there are, there are plenty of parts of our bodies that are, um, erotically stimulatable. Practically all of them, depending on how you roll, right? The skin is the biggest sex organ. The brain is right up there. And then we start going to the, you know, the, the unbuckle the belt and see what's in there. If someone has invited you. <laughs> yes. yes somebody's got a good please. reason to go peeking around. Mm-hmm. Uh, then, uh, then we start getting into, to those pleasure parts, right? And so the, Big difference between the vibrators in the vibrator museum and the vibrators out in the main part of good vibrations mm-hmm. or any sex shop that any, any of your listeners might, uh, visit is that everything in the antique vibrator museum pretty much is intended to be used as a massager. In, in most cases, there was no uh, overt communication about using the things on your pleasure parts below the belt. At all. You just in some cases there was, but but not for sexual pleasure per se. These were initially healthcare devices. And what the you know, the brightly colored or the now we're now we're getting some some sort of sage sage green and gray sex toys in the mix and because they're not as gendered colors, the Uh you know, progress marches on. (laughs) (laughs) But Often those things include the ability to be used for insertion, either vaginally or whatever you call it, anally, whatever you call it. And those things are splendid and fun to play with. But the other things, as you probably are seeing when you're looking at the pictures of the toys in the museum, they're not toys, they're the, the, the machines in the museum, uh, were, were not frisky, brightly colored things. They were medical devices. They Got were it. intended to be medical devices initially uh, for women with hysteria, a condition that yes. is no longer thought to exist, uh, but that it turns out an orgasm made feel better. So, yay, that worked <laughs> yeah, exactly. out great. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, th- and they called them hysterical paroxysms of relief in those days, that which is what I started like to call official. an orgasm on a Saturday night. It sounds Really fancy and very important. Oh, give me a hysterical, what is it? <laughs> Paroxysm, Paroxysm of relief. Paroxysm of relief. <laughs> and uh. so these were made available to physicians. And the fir- the very first um, physician-made vibrate, well, first there were ones that were hand crank or, or clockwork yeah, that you turn crank. a key and it would yeah. vibrate. Those go, those go back a few centuries. And then you got the steam powered, uh, table. We don't have one of those, sadly. Way too, wow. way too expensive. Or are, are there even any left in the world? I'm not sure. The steam powered table with a ball protruding through a hole two-thirds of the way down, you'd hike up your bustle <gasps> or whatever it was and cuddle down on that ball for the treatment. Oh. And then not a decade or decade and a half later, you started to get electricity being 
um, being piped into those same places that before had only had steam and, and, you know, gas for the lights. So then you had electric vibrators and we still have them now. Yeah. Um, many electric vibrators today run on batteries or run on USB chargers, mm-hmm. but the massager style vibrators still plug into the wall or are now rechargeable like your dust buster or like your other vibrator. <laughs> so okay. that's the difference. And, Got it. And Thank can you. It, can one of the massager style vibrators be used internally? I have met many, many people who have done many kinky things. So I cannot say no to that question, but they were not designed for it. Nor are they 100% safe to use that yeah, way. I would we never were, recommend it we were to about your that. average person. Yes. Those, um, that's what our modern sex toys are for. Okay. We're into the interview now. And so I feel as though we must come up against the title of our podcast, Good Pain, and talk a bit about pain. Excellent. Pain as pleasure. I guess what I'm thinking is, you know, you've spent, as we've well established, your career exploring sex. And I wonder where you see pain intersect with sexuality. Well, of course, there's the kind of pain that isn't necessarily good pain. Yeah. That uh, troubles plenty of people around their sexual functioning. The first point of pain that, that links the two states of bad pain and good pain, and of course, if we're not being binary about gender these days, we shouldn't be entirely binary about pain either, should mm-hmm. we? We, should, good point, we yes. should remember that that, that context is all, consent is all, and that while there may be kinds of bad pain that you can't consent to because nobody asked you because it had to do with your muscles being too too tight to unclench or whatever it might be, that uh, when we're starting to, to move in the direction of good pain, um, there are conversations to have and mm-hmm. things to, to, to determine. But the thing that I think is is the, the, the bridge that links the two states in my mind is that sexual arousal tends to be a pain limiter or a or, or or an analgesic in a way. Sexual arousal helps and orgasm for sure to get that far. And sexual arousal is foremost very much part of the path to orgasm. Just one reason why there's an orgasm gap and a lot of people don't have orgasms when they want them is they they don't fully understand how to build sexual arousal enough into their experience to to get there. But sexual arousal or erotic arousal, if we wanna if we wanna look at um BDSM and kink and those practitioners who don't think of what they're doing as sexual, which it it, it may not feel that way to many. Some are very you know, very adamant about it. This is not sex. This is something else. I've known kinky mm. asexual people who love kink play of all kinds, but they don't want to, they don't want to cross cut it definitionally with, with certainly genital arousal, even if, you know, genital play might be part of what they're doing. But for the people who find that sex is painful in a way that they don't appreciate, Having enough arousal and, you know, and enough lubricant and body awareness, uh, boundaries that you can evoke if you need to evoke them. Um, all of those things help move somebody along the pathway toward no pain and or good pain. Because arousal, even if you don't code it as sexual and even if it doesn't feel centered in the genitals, 
is still arousal. And you're still in either case, whether, whether it's your bits or whether it's your brain or, of course, your bits in your brain. Connected. Thank goodness. God willing. Thank goodness. Um, In either case, the the bodily chemicals that we associate and and often talk about in the context of good pain, the the endorphins, you know, the the adrenaline and the encephalins, which are the longer longer lasting molecules. All of those that, 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 that if you have, have a really long scene, enkephalins might kick in, but it takes can, a while and they last longer. Can I ask about that word? Cause I've sure. never heard that. Um, it's, they're like endorphins, but they don't show up as quickly and they don't go away as quickly. So all of this, all of this body, you know, the, the, the hormonal changes that happen when somebody's aroused or when somebody's playing. Yeah. Um, all that stuff helps us process pain differently. It's much more likely for us to get to the good kind of pain in a context where that um, that body chemistry has kicked in to help us out with it. And of course, also, with, again, context, not everybody wants somebody else to slap them on the ass under yeah. any circumstances. <laughs> right. Even if somebody, even if their twin sibling loves, loves, loves that sensation, that doesn't mean they will. And it could be bodily decision-making that they don't want it. It could be all psychological and emotional. It doesn't matter. Yeah. If you don't want it, you don't want it. And yeah. if you do want it, it's very likely that that want kicks in the body chemistry change a little bit, at least to begin, to get you on the road to the kind of pleasurable pain that people who enjoy it really enjoy. You know, mm-hmm. the, the the masochist who has a love of having pain inflicted, uh, and with any luck, they'll meet a friendly sadist who has a love of inflicting Would love pain. To and that, that, that pain <laughs> when we talk about it, of course, it's in this context of consent and negotiation and, and so forth. And outside of that context, to me, that's a, a different set of behaviors if consent and, and, and this knowledge isn't part of it. But within the the magic circle or whatever we would want to call it you know sex toys can be part of this yeah you know as i'm sure y'all know so many things can get turned into play yeah so many things are pervertible and can uh, be perverted i mean we know we don't pleasures. know we, we need to ask you about some of these <laughs> beginner bdsm toys yeah because yeah, i i'm 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 quite curious about that because we're uh, beginners. yeah, we're, we are beginners and Novices, this is sort of a 101 kind of question, but uh, yeah, if I'm a sort of beginner and into BDSM, um, what kind of toys should I gravitate to? Well, I want to quote my dear colleague, educator, Andy, Andy Duran, who, when he gets this question, always love his go-to is a blindfold and uh, the kind of massage oil that you can light like a candle and it warms it up and then you get your wax play without going to as high a melting point as actual wax, which then allows you to surprise your person who is blindfolded with a splash of hot but not too hot. Uh-huh. Um, a splash of substance and then, and, and that helps you get into both sensor deprivation and alternate sensation play. And it's very simple to, to jump into that. 
And it starts to give you a sense about whether you like either of those kinds of experiences. Of course, it's not the only versions of those experiences. So saying, well, you know, this warm wax and a blindfold isn't exactly what I had in mind isn't the end of a journey. Bring on the nipple clamps. Yeah, bring on the nipple clamps. (laughs) Bring on the, um, I think I see some cuffs on the... Uh-huh. Table behind you. Bring on what the restraints. Yes. <laughs> bring on the restraints. Bring on the, um, bring on the, let's start with mild, um, impact toys, the spankers, the slappers, the suede floggers, the little suede floggers, the, the, the varying kinds of things that you can, that you can explore whether you want anybody to hit your ass under any circumstances. Yeah. And that, and that field of items tends to be sort of the beginner level kinds of play that can, if you want to, lead into more intense kink, more intense sensation. But if you, but everybody's got to start somewhere and not everybody wants to start in the deep end. Yeah. So you can, can and probably would be a good idea to learn more about the ways to deploy the 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 impact toys figure out what time frame somebody can take nipple clamps versus find that they're really turning into torture devices not not pleasurable pain devices and then remember that when you take them off the blood's going to flow back into the nipples or wherever you had pinched and that's going to hurt even more for a little while i mean this Factor is the thing that, that in. <laughs> this is the thing that like i don't know tony like shocks me the more we've talked to doms is just how much knowledge one has to have to sort of deploy with uh, responsibility and also expert you know the Usage. further you go in this, in a kink journey, the more information is, well, the more information you accrue, <laughs> if you're paying any attention, right? But also the more information you need to prevent harm yeah. and to make sure that, that, you know, the, the level of safety that you, you agree you want to put around your container of play and pain and experience. Because it doesn't always have to incur, include pain, as I, I think you know, and as yeah. I, I hope your listeners also know, someone venturing into kink isn't necessarily going to go to pain first, nor are they limited to it, nor do they ever have to go yeah. to it, unless they decide they want to explore that too. And my experience with folks who like kink is often that they do want to explore that too, because why wouldn't you want to if there's pleasure to be had and, and, and experience, if there's experience to have, then, then kinky folk tend to want to have a little experience. Why not? There's a book that I love. I'm not remembering if it's still in print. Um, but, but the, the people who want to find it will, will seek it out and the magic of the interwebs. It's called, uh, consensual sadomasochism, how to talk about it and how to do it safely. It's not a brand new book. It was 20, 20 some years old, but it's, um, a, a pro dom and a therapist are the authors of it. Kinky people both. And they, they go into such excellent depth wow. that people okay. who are like, well, I'm a beginner now, but maybe someday I will be much, much past that point. That would be something that you might want to 
See if you can dig up on your favorite used I book website. I think we might want to. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. I, I think I think very highly of this book. And, and of course, the topping book and the bottoming book uh, by Dossie Easton and Janet Hardy. Uh, many people know um, The Ethical Slut that they oh my wrote. Gosh. Fantastic All right, producers, book. producers, write these titles down. We're <laughs> ordering these tonight. book. And, uh, and there are also many extremely good beginner level books for people who uh, want to explore BDSM. The topping book and the bottoming book are a little bit beyond that, but they go into this wonderful degree and, and really informed, emotionally inclusive degree of uh, detail about the kinds of play that you might engage in, the kinds of reasons that you might be drawn to engage in those things, the way to optimize, the way to stay safe. Lots of great, great stuff in those books. So if somebody just wants a, I have never read anything at all about this in my entire life. I want a, I want a book that I can just kind of check out. I like Screw the Roses, Send Me the Thorns, The Romance and Sexual Sorcery of Sadomasochism. Isn't that a great that is, title? That is the greatest title in so, the history great? of Dr. Dr. Queen is, is single-handedly starting our library. I've been saying for a while that I want us to have a podcast library. Uh, it's an and honor. So you just gave and, us, yeah, you just gave us the first five books to order. And so. I'll tell you what, if you want me to, you know, put my thinking cap on when we're I not do. sitting around here and send you a list of books that, that I would recommend people interested in this particular set of things might. Carol, we would love that. My value, oh, I'd be yeah. glad to do that. Okay. Well, right. And, and, cause, and I keep thinking back to the previous conversation too, uh, better to get your information from here rather than watching pornography and thinking you can emulate from there. Yeah. Porn is not sex ed except when yeah. it is. And and the yeah. and the, the barest the you know, the smallest um the smallest segment of porn is mindfully about helping people learn how to do the various things. Mm-hmm. It is out there and it's terrific. Like porn people are trained professionals. <laughs> they sure. tend to really know. Uh, and and the reason that porn isn't sex ed is often that what they did that lasted four hours gets edited down to 45 minutes ah, or less. So you miss the part where they ask for more lube and you miss the part where they look at the sex toy to make sure it's safe. And that yeah. the, the, often you miss the negotiation. Although there, there are, are brands of porn today where they're mindfully leaving the negotiation back in, which is a great step in the yeah, right I've, direction. I've, I've noticed that. I, I, I enjoy pornography myself. I've noticed many more where they, they do leave the negotiation at That's the top. That's yeah. really interesting. Yeah, I was, and I, was, I don't mean to insult porn by saying it's not sex no, ed. It's just no, that it no, is. No, we were, we were like, sort of saying the same thing. Oh, like you yeah. can't learn what to do from porn. I also have to say like this idea of having a conversation like – feeling comfortable having a negotiation and a conversation is one of the, my favorite things about Tony and I starting this process of interviewing people of just realizing how much in the BDSM community and when doms are working with clients and scenes, how much it's about communication and how can yeah, trust and trust and how that, yeah. that ability to actually speak what you want and negotiate and talk and have boundaries opens up to then have so much play and, pleasure. Absolutely. And, and, and as I was talking about, you know, what it, what it takes to work at Good Vibrations in order to open the doors and, you know, bring the people in to a comfort level that they can say what they want, need, or are wondering about. 
Same. I mean, a, a pro dom for heaven's sake needs to find out what they want, what they don't want, what context this all might be found in, explored in, optimized in. How they want what to feel. Will, I thought that was so profound. So many doms. everything up. Yeah. <laughs> so many things that 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 are are part of the knowledge base. You know these these are these are such savvy humans who do a lot of doming. You see a lot of human nature that most of the world doesn't openly show us. Yes. Not that most people don't have these feelings or experiences. We don't know that. We do know that we don't get them modeled for us as mm-hmm. much as it might be useful. And you know what I like to say about porn is that porn is porn is like sex education the way that car chase movies are like driver's education. <laughs> it's about the excitement. It's just car and There's nothing wrong it's just with car that. Price. It's entertaining. It's exciting. But if you drive like that, you'll probably screw up your car. Unless and you're endanger a, yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Unless you're a trained professional, right? That's a yes. great analogy. That's Love great that. Analogy. Um, well, I'll tell you what. Shall we uh, Shall we take a trip down into the dungeon? Oh, yes. We're taking you to the dungeon, Carol. Yes. And the funny thing is, the first question, I think I already know yeah, the we, answer. Yeah, we know. Uh, cats or dogs? Oh, cats. <laughs> yes. cats. She says as her cat has oh, yeah, made cats. a couple little appearances. Yeah, mm-hmm. although I, I do not, uh, I try never to discriminate against dogs, mm-hmm. uh, but cats. Yes. Um, excellent. Uh, what's your favorite ice cream flavor? You know, I have an extra unusual and new favorite ice cream flavor because I can't have dairy anymore. Ah. So I have discovered oat ice cream, Mm -hmm. quote unquote, iced oat stuff. (laughs) And there's one company that makes an oat flavor. They don't even put any vanilla in it. It is oat and some sugar, right? And creamy. Mm -hmm. And then we get into the toppings, right? Because, of course, oh. vanilla sex is vanilla because we want to remind everyone that there are so many flavors. Right. It's not the only flavor. It's delicious, but not the only one. <laughs> mm. And then for some people, it really is all about the toppings. Mm. Yes. Touche. Okay. If you had to choose, would you choose heaven with your enemies or hell with your friends? <laughs> I would want to actually uh, do what um, the, the the Greek goddess uh, who got taken down into the underworld, but rescued by her mother, so that they worked out that it was half and half. Right, I would want to spend like half the time in heaven, like needling my enemies, <laughs> or getting to know them better. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, right. sounds, heaven sounds like a great place. I like spa. Yeah. And Part of the time, um, having the big party in hell. That's what I think I would Hell yes. Okay. That's one of the best (laughs) answers we've had. Or I I would skip both because I'm actually not from that religious uh, tradition. Right. I don't know that either. Yeah, I'm not either. 100% 
imagine myself into those zones, but off off the top, half and half. Is yes. What I okay. Or, 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 or you, I just be in purgatory with people for wow. whom I feel neutral. At all <laughs> I don't know. That might be the worst of all, Tony. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Because it's not that's, binary. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's right. No, yeah. That's actually my life nowadays. So let's, yeah. just, oh. let's move on. Yeah. Um, I'm yeah, sorry. Are you pointing at me, sir? Right now, huh? Oh, no. Not at, not at Tony you. Tony feels fully neutral about me. That's why we decided to work together. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. I, I, I thought he was talking about quarantine. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Yes. That too. That's what I thought. Yes. Okay, on to the next question. What is something that really scared you before you did it, but now you're glad you did? Wow. Um, I think, well, I mentioned quite a while back in our wonderful conversation that I had um, somebody who, my tax accountant, was a good guide about whether or not I should use the word sex worker on my taxes. Mm -hmm. And that is the answer to the question, doing sex work. Mm -hmm. Um, I had a Cinderella tour, I must say, Mm -hmm. but it was informative for me on levels that I can barely even put into words. And I think as you have figured out, I don't usually have a whole lot of trouble putting things into (laughs) words. (laughs) It was... It was in the first place the most profound antidote to my mother's men only want one thing, honey. Mm. Oh, no, 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 no. So many things. So many different diverse things. Mm-hmm. Um, I was, I was quite, quite nervous and subsequently felt like it had informed me in ways that I never understood I would, I would experience before I had had those initial forays and probably made you incredible at what you do now you know well i think to to be to be fair it 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 has been a great backup to book learning yeah 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 yeah. Mm -hmm. uh excellent and then our final question what is the best compliment you've ever received oh my I remember the very best compliment I've ever received. I, in the the 1980s, began to do my sexology, and I went back and forth between Eugene, my ancestral home, Mm -hmm. and uh, the Bay Area for a few years until I landed here permanently. And while I did that, I was work doing doing HIV AIDS work with the people who were just beginning to to put that all together in Eugene. In Portland, the big town in Oregon, there Mm -hmm. was a job coming open. Uh, for the AIDS crisis organization. And I applied for it, even though there was no chance in the world that I would get it because I wasn't a gay man. Mm-hmm. And uh, the letter of recommendation that one of my dear gay friends sent to them, which I ho- which did get me an interview, <laughs> uh, said, Carol is more comfortable with and for gay men than most gay men I know. Wow. And that was the best compliment that I have ever received. Yes. Hmm. And I hope that that, I hope that someone could say that about me and other types of humans. Yeah. But at, at that moment in time, um, you know, one of the ways you get to be a woman like me is you're raised by gay men. (laughs) <laughs> and and the people who help you think about the ways that you might explore 
are people who themselves have had to ask themselves that question and get support from their community. So, sure. so the role of gay men in, in me getting to be who I am today um, is extremely important and, and it got acknowledged in the most Love moving it. way. Love it. Carol, before we say goodbye, you are doing so many incredible things. So I just want to give you a moment to talk about your book, any upcoming events, just promote where people can find you. So uh, my most recent book is the Sex and Pleasure book, Good Vibrations Guide to Great Sex for Everyone. And I sure hope it lives up to that title. I can pick the title. <laughs> Makes me feel a little modest, but <laughs> only for a second. Um, yeah. And so people can can find that in uh, their bookstore that carries sex books or order it from Good Vibrations, of course. And um, I also have several other books. Um, some of the, the folks listening might be interested in Exhibitionism for the Shy, Ooh, uh, wow. which is a, a good um, door into sexual exploration using showing off and erotic talk as the the kind of lens to 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 you know open up the pathway to exploration and that was my first book so first book to last book and i've got essays and erotic stories and novels and all kinds of stuff it's all it's it's out there on floating around on the interweb somewhere I do a conversation with Carol every month, generally, on the Good Vibrations website. We do Zooms. So if people want to go to goodvibes.com and look at the events, um, you can definitely find it on the bottom of the, the front page, if not uh, the links on top, and check that out. And, and every couple of weeks, we change that out and let you know what's coming in the future. You can also sign up and be on the e-list, of course, for that. And vibrator deals and other things. So yes. that's a thing. And of course, if anybody's under 18 listening, they should not do that until they turn 18. Uh, but those people should tune into the wonderful Heather Corinna's book sex heather corinna is the person who founded scarletine or just go to scarletine which Ooh. is a brilliant uh inclusive uh informational website for youth so nice if you're if you've snuck in here yeah yes scarletine is friends, your, uh, your you deserve information too and go get it at scarletine and if if people have actually put up with me like waxing uh verbal for this long and they can uh they can put up with hearing me talk more um they might want to go tune into renegade university and look up my sex positivity class there um there's a an a, like a a, a one off that you can get um from that website i believe um that it goes into a sort of more more of the cultural sexologist part of it's not like I haven't brought that to talk to you, but but that's <laughs> I, I I put it all into that. And there's also a similar talk, although with a little bit of a different focus, uh, that I did for the California Institute of Integral Studies (CIIS). And if you go and dig around on their website, I think you'll find it there. Excellent. All right. Thank Thanks you. for asking. Uh, of yeah. course. Oh, yeah. Of course. Uh, yeah, uh, Dr. Carol Queen. Dr. Uh, Carol Queen. If you haven't listened today and learned something, uh, I don't know what to tell Careful. you. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I really don't. Um, this was outstanding. Well, yeah. all the experts are like, she getting all that stuff right? I hope that I've gotten it right. I'm sure you have. I oh. will say that it's been it's been a few years since I've been hung up from the ceiling. And so I'm, <laughs> there may have been some 
there may have been some aerodynamic changes that have come down that I didn't get the memo on, but I did my best, people. No, no it was you. yeah, it was an absolute pleasure. Thank <laughs> yeah. you so much for joining us, Tony. Kiara, are we are we running the risk of becoming a legitimate operation here? I don't know. I actually have a question that's going to immediately delegitimize me, which is, oh. do you think I'm an ethical slut? Do you th- <laughs> I think there are very few things I know in this world. Uh, we all die. Mm-hmm. Taxes are a thing. Mm-hmm. You are an ethical slut. Thank God. Thank the God I don't believe in. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so obviously, I think we're starting to round the corner towards making this a real professional thing. Uh, yeah, this was sort of like I don't. In, in a way, it felt like a primer, almost like a. A Rosetta Stone of this whole kind of endeavor. Yeah. I, I sort of felt like we were back in a classroom, but with a professor that you really like and you think is really cool. And you're like, yeah. oh, my God, am I actually being educated right now while having fun? Yeah. Shocking. Yeah. It was it was great. Yeah. She she had a she was a, a very, yeah, aware, open. Talk about sex positive. Literally a bullient. Yes. In her sex positivity. Yes. Brains and bits. Mm-hmm. There's some, there's some things I need to just take away forever. Yeah. Yeah. I have brains and I have bits. I know that to be true too. I have, yeah. I I I, I don't use one of those as often as uh, you'd think. Oh. Um, I'll let you decide which one. <laughs> Put in the Instagram co- Instagram <laughs> comments which you think A or B. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But yeah, I I I, uh, I thought that was uh, a I, delight. I think we're both still processing. It was a lot yeah. of information. It was no, it was a lot of information. We're downloading to the hard drive of yeah. our souls because, yes. yeah, I feel a bit overwhelmed. And, and, and you know, if you find yourself in San Francisco, that's where the museum is. Yes. Go to the Vibrator Museum. Yeah, that looks like that looks like a whole thing. Maybe one day we'll do an episode from there. Oh, I'd love that. Me too. I would love that. Because, yeah, I, it, the, the, um, it makes sense now that she said that, that, you know, the initial use of those devices were as medical devices and massage No, I'm things. the asshole who was like, why would you stick that up? Because you wouldn't, Kiara. You wouldn't. You'd massage well, things. No, because I, I, please, I was looking at them and I thought the same thing. Because if you, if you, listeners, if you look at these, and you absolutely should, yeah. at the Antique Vibrator Museum, or I'm sure you could Google the image, um, they they all look like, they have like basically a little rubber scrubber yeah. at the at the tip of them. It's not so little either. No, yes. Little, little is... Uh, like By a, little, I mean it's like a sand dollar gargantuan. <laughs> yes, um, but I thought, yeah, if 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 I could think of five places that I shouldn't stick that, a vagina is probably one. Of yeah, them. I was going to say the aerodynamics. I was trying to think of the size in a vagina. Yeah. Uh, it didn't quite compute, but um, that's because it's not supposed to. It's not supposed to, right? And yeah, if you, <clears throat> I can see, you know, if someone wanted to, you know, lightly. <laughs> I, Move, moving by <laughs> lightly peruse the the labia. My bits. Yes, then it would work. But yeah, it's 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 uh, it's remarkable. Like I, it's I'd, yeah. I'd actually love to visit there. It's it's great. And we didn't get to talk about cock rings, but we'll save that for another time. We we didn't get to talk about cock rings, but you know what? We don't always get what we want. We don't always get what we want. But if you find out what's the lyric, I don't even know the lyric. What's that Rolling Stones? Sometimes song? you get what you need. Sometimes you get what you need. I'd sing it, but again, we can't afford it. Nope. This is not, look. It's way too common that we start singing songs that we don't have the rights for. So yeah. well, that's over, folks. <laughs> exactly. Until we get a big paycheck, we're not singing you any more songs. Yeah. And, we, and that includes happy birthday. Although that's in the public domain now, isn't it? 
I, just to risk it, I'm not going to sing it because nope. just to, I don't even want to pay for happy birthday. Um, but on that note, <laughs> happy birthday, Kiara. <laughs> happy birthday, you ethical slut. Happy you. birthday, you ethical slut. Um, look, we know the past few years uh, have been rough, mm-hmm. but not all pain is bad. No, sometimes it's really good. I'm Tony. I'm Kiara. And you've been listening to Good Pain. Good Pain. Happy birthday. See you next time. Blow out my candles for me. Oh, ethical slut.